Welcome to the Professional Brewers Podcast, hosted by Grunfeld Meadery and me, Ricky the Mead Maker. This show is for brewers of all kinds, anyone looking to get into brewing professionally, folks who want to peek behind the scenes at their favorite brewery, or merely the brew curious. Whether you're an old hand in the industry or just starting your professional brewing journey, we hope this show helps you become a better, more profitable, happier brewer. On this week's show, I talked to Dylan DeSalvo from Crown Tap Systems, a family-owned and operated distributing company covering Maryland and D.C. We talk about the process of starting a distributing company, what it's like to break into a new market, how distributors decide which brands to work with, and much, much more. It's a great episode whether you already have a distributor, you're thinking about getting a distributor, or maybe you want to start your own distribution company. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Salvo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you're a distributor and you have a, would you refer to it as a small, midsize distribution outfit? Small, small. Yeah. So give us a background. Uh, When did you start? How big are you? Uh, How many people are working there? What's your distribution region? Everything people might want to know. Sure. So um, my background is accounting. Um, We worked with a lot of uh, kind of people in the alcohol industry on the back end accounting side. We set up a distribution company back in 2015. Um, we kind of liked the idea. Um, it's funny because this is what this is a industry. We, my dad and I are kind of equal partners in this, in this endeavor. It's an industry we've always had just kind of this back of house relationship with. We never really were in it. And so, uh, of course, we jump in, you know, head first. And uh, we started the process uh, in Maryland around 2018 to get licensed. Took us about a year um, with all the rigmarole you have to go through. And then finally, in May of 19, we got our, I'm sorry, March of 19, we got our license. Uh, we started just with. Um, liquor and wine figured out a lot of stuff hard lessons the the most fun types of lessons um uh but you know you learn them well so we uh we uh kind of putzed around really kind of geared up 2020s our year (laughs) and um we had a bunch of trade shows lined up and stuff and everything. And then we got hit with COVID. And um, so we were always small. It was me kind of doing it um, with my brother, Thomas, for a while. He would kind of focus on D.C. I would do all of Maryland. Um, we had people kind of come and go in various capacities. But for, for the most part, it was just us. And, um, yeah, 2020 came and craft went completely by the wayside, especially spirits and, you know, wine, alcohol sales were up. Nothing else was in craft world. Um, you know, people were just running in to get their favorites out of the store and then no one wanted, you know, couldn't do tastings anywhere. couldn't do anything. So we actually got permission, um, to do a cocktail club, uh, where we could put our, you know, from the comptroller, we could put our spirits and cocktail kits and kind of work with stores to deliver 
our spirits to people directly. And so that kind of kept us afloat through 20. Um, and then we kind of took a leap in 21. We decided to add beer to our license to kind of expand. Cause we, you know, what we saw was this wasn't working. We need to expand what we carry. And actually you guys were the first beer product that we took on <laughs> honestly, because I, I saw an ad and I'm like, huh, I don't think mead spoils like beer does. So <laughs> I was like, you know, I learned a lot of hard lessons. I didn't want to learn hard lessons with beer spoilage um, right off the bat, you know. And so, you know, we had had our, I call it a famous meeting. I just, I'll always remember that meeting, uh, especially just getting on the phone with you. And then you're like, so behind you is a movie poster of my favorite movie ever. And learning later, that's the only reason you took, you kept the conversation going. So, um, yeah. And then the, the me just kind of took off and, you know, of course the, the laws about the, you know, delivery and stuff of alcohol went back into effect. So, you know, we had to stop the cocktail kit club um we got a few of the meads in some of the ones in early 21 but what ended up happening is we just completely kind of went back to the traditional route and yeah it was um it was just kind of me working at that time you know with thomas's daughter was born and he kind of had to take a take a back seat a little bit and then i was just kind of all over the state, you know, just peddling a one-man show. Finally got a little bit of help um, in October of 21, hired my first person. Things were going well, and then that person left in 22, early 22. And so this fun little jockeying back and forth of hiring and rehire, you know, and... I'm sure you dealt with a revolving door of employees. Uh, just, you know, it was kind of an employee's market. You know, they had their, especially in our area, people had their pick of jobs and, you know, uh, you had to be very competitive. Finally, I got my crew, as, as you might say, um, the end of last year, early this year. And so right now it's a three man team and we're having our best months. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we're on track to do something really, we're probably on track to double last year's profit. That's, that's huge. And that's something being a smaller distributor, there are no, none of the big players right now are talking about doubling uh, their profit this year, next year, in the next decade, probably. So there's a ton of room to grow as a small distributor, Mm -hmm. but People tend to think of the distribution game, especially in well-established states like the Mid-Atlantic and in New England, as a big boys game. There there are a few major players in a lot of those places. So as a smaller distributor, what do you think your advantages are in that space? If someone listening to this thinks they might want to go the distribution route, obviously a lot of people listening to the show want to be brewers or start a brewery, but... I worked on both sides of this myself, and there were definitely a lot of things I loved about getting out there peddling brands. Yeah. Yeah. So we are kind of in a neat space um, because I'm sure some uh, 
some suppliers are going to be like, yeah, it's not neat for us. But so uh, roughly we, we, we heard that roughly in 2017, 2018, big distribution companies started cutting back on craft brands and, um, some of these even mid-sized brewers that have pretty decent distribution, they suddenly see a, a standstill where these big like uh, distribution houses that have the like the uh, Miller Coors and Anheuser Busch franchises, they're they're pulling back from their the craft market and really downsizing, and people can't you know get their stuff to any of these big guys and. <laughs> then COVID kind of took out a lot of small guys. And so what, you know, we are fortunate enough to, you know, limp along through that. And what we're trying to build is a distribution company that is focused on brand building and almost being the reps for our brands in the state. It's a little more legwork, a lot more, knowledge of the product you know has to be done um we do all our own tastings we do you know you know events you know we're we're there each step of the way with our brands which is why our portfolio is kind of small we are building it but you know when we bring on someone it's very purposeful and uh, making sure that nothing is in really in direct competition. So we just brought on uh, Kindred Spirit, uh, Spirit uh, Brewing, which is going to be fun to explain. No, it, yeah, Kindred Spirit Brewing. They're not spirits, they're brewing. Yeah, um, kind of like how people uh, are confused when we say we're Crown Tap Systems. I'm like, are you trying to sell me a tap system? I'm like, no, maybe we'll change our name. We're actually thinking about changing our name because of that big confusion. So, you know, stay tuned, but we'll see. The logo, I think we're going to try to keep the logo and do something within that kind of framework. But um, yeah, it's funny how much complaints I get from Natalie and Christine. They're like, people always get confused. I'm like, is it really, does it really take that much out of your day to explain it? But, you know, but what I'm more proud of is the confusion around the fact that people think we are from the breweries because that's how much, you know, emphasis we put on uh, repping our brands and, Natalie the other day was somewhere and just telling me she had to explain like five times to this bar manager that she was the one he bought from. Yeah. And it's like, so who's the, who's your distributor? And it's like, no, I'm the distributor. And it's like, oh, okay. But like, yeah, give me the name of your distributor. And I was like, do you understand me, me? So <laughs> it's just, I'll always, I'll have to also make sure to, to say my, my Italian gestures, I can't uh, say don't translate to audio. Okay. But, uh, they, uh, that, that's one thing that we, that we really pride ourselves on. And we were actually on Friday, our Pennsylvania brewery, oldest brewing, they, they took us out to lunch and I knew it was, you know, something good, you know, buy someone lunch, they slap them across the face. At least I don't, maybe some people do, but Natalie was all worried and Natalie's kind of become my second in command here. Uh, as Thomas has had his a second kid, and um, he's still involved with events and stuff. Um, but uh, Natalie's become kind of my, uh, to use another kind of, to use a mob term, she's my underboss. But she, <laughs> she we're going to this lunch. She's worried about it. I'm like, why are you worried? We go there, and they're like, so 
you're about the tenth of the size of our distributors in Pennsylvania, and you're doing a third of the sales that they are. And I was like, that that's good to know. And so they were like, we decided we need to put resources into you. And yes, and that's kind of what, you know, we're a lean machine. We don't have a lot of resources to, you know, I'm not going to buy a billboard for anyone, but, you know, we are experts at the hand sell, at the tasting, at the event, at the tap takeover. What's what's also neat is I get to, I have a pretty diverse palate and I can tell things that are good in many different categories. Like I don't have something that I hate and like can't stand that's like a major like I'm not gonna say oh I don't like sours I'm not gonna take a sour I've learned to like a sours appreciate what a good sour is and therefore you know we're able to build our portfolio you know um, accordingly but what's nice is because of that I'm able to build a portfolio around things that I I, I like I will say, having worked again with like the largest distributors in a couple states, there used to be this mentality, certainly 10, 15 years ago, that you go with, as a small operation, the largest distributor willing to take you. And mm-hmm. I can say that some of our smaller outfits, especially during COVID and in the last few years, are outselling some of the larger operations yeah. simply because it seems like everything is a hand sell these days if it doesn't have a national level marketing budget behind it. So that's really a changing space that we've watched in just a decade and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously I don't have that decade longevity, you know, I don't have that hindsight, but I, I, I do see that, you know, from talking to people, there is this appreciation for what we're doing. Um, and, you know, as far as where we want to end up, you know, obviously I want, you know, I want to, you know, increase, you know, build the company, but I don't want to lose. I would take more pride in building a company with a reputation of having an awesome portfolio. Like Crown Tap is always going to bring me top. I want I want craft brands to be, you know, lining up to get a meeting with us because they know if they get in with us, they've, they've reached like a, like a, a tier of quality, you know? And so that, and that's what, what I prefer. And, and, and the kind of the growth alongside these businesses, I do like people that are growth oriented just because we are, but at the same time, it's like, I have no desire to ever get a big franchise. I mean, yeah, the money might be interesting, <laughs> but uh i know i don't i don't ever want like a big franchise because it's it's not what i and to be and i listen like i said i have a big palate i don't snub any of the national brands i you know they're my baseball beers you know but i it's it's just not what i'm interested you know something about being a part of the story but something about bringing a brand to recognition in a market. And that's why I really took a lot of pride in what we did with Gronfeld because anyone in the industry knows Gronfeld now down here. Yeah. And so a lot of what you're looking for, I think you've, you've touched on uh, cool off the wall, things that are consistent. 
What do you yeah. think a brewer should look for or a new brewery operation when they're thinking of getting maybe their first distributor uh, or expand into a new state? Whether that means that they should be looking for someone like you or maybe someone with grocery store reach, you know, what kind of questions do you think they should be asking? Yeah. So, I mean, every state's different. So in Maryland, we're kind of weird because like we don't have and this is another reason why we kind of fit in nicely. And this is why Kindred was cool with coming on with us. One, well, one of the reasons is because Maryland, it's one name, one license. There are no chains with with anything. So the big corporate buddy, buddy, you know, connections you don't need in Maryland. It's all one on one connections with each individual location. They do kind of get a little wishy washy with the with the rules when it comes to like Wegmans, Harris Teeters. Um, they're kind of separate in name only Wegmans is the biggest offender. I don't care. I'll say it. Wegmans is a big offender. <laughs> uh, like I shouldn't have to email someone at Wegmans to get in one of their stores or a store next to a Wegmans. It's like, clearly this is controlled by Wegmans. Um, Harris Teeter is very separate. The people in the store, you know, you go to each individual store, there's actually a manager who in the store making decisions. So like, I appreciate that from Harris. And so we've had luck with Harris Teeters, you know, stores or stores adjacent to Harris Teeters, I should say. Yeah. Let's, um, let's be technically correct here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except for Wegmans, like, you know, <laughs> but uh, it, so, so, you know, we do have that advantage in our state because we don't need that huge connection. The biggest corporate thing we deal with is Total Wine, and that's two stores. One's in David Trone's name, one's in his brother's name. I'm about 90% sure of that. But that's why, you know, they want to retain control because if they hand that license name off to someone else, that's a lot of control to hand to someone else, not the family. So um, they tried to get another one in Montgomery County. The county shot it down. Um, but um, you know, we have, a, I have a good relate. There's a regional buyer there. I have a good relationship with them. So, you know, the, that, that's the other cool thing. And a lot of people like working with us because we're smaller. They text us, Hey, you know, we need X, Y, Z, you know, we go in, you know, we're flexible on, you know, you know, people like that. They're only, you know, they either talk to me directly or they're one person removed from me to make a decision on, Oh, this beer spoiled can you take a bag you give us credit it's like sure like you know and and we we and that's the other thing is i don't know exactly what other distribution companies practices are with things like you know with certain things but you know we do we do regard it as a partnership between us and the supplier you know we're we're here to help each other you know succeed and but at, you know at the same time i I do feel like a brand rep for them. So it's like, I do not nothing that tastes off. And we, it's a hard life, but I have to taste things periodically. Nothing that tastes off goes out of the warehouse. There's some distributors who have no qualms over selling three-year-old beer. So as I mentioned before, most of the people listening are probably in the brewing industry on my side of things or thinking of entering the industry if someone wants to get into the larger industry, you obviously, you know, got in on the distribution side from the get go. Why might someone want to consider opening a distributorship? Because in a lot of our episodes, of course, we talk about all the things that go wrong in a brew house and all the stress yeah. that goes with it. You've covered a lot of your difficulties are similar to ours. But mm -hmm. why might someone want to consider going through the year and a half licensure process and all that nonsense yeah. that you went through? 
I've never felt like I was working. And I was, you know, and it's just like this, the stories you get to be a part of every single place that every one of our suppliers, we go and visit, we know we get to know everyone there. I do their podcast, you know, but like it's, it's, it's just a neat way to a, you get the satisfaction of bringing someone to market which is, you know, deeply sad is, you know, selling is easier than making. If the stuff's good, selling is easier than making it. And yeah, it's, 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 it's more rewarding than I could have imagined just because of the amount of the, the amount of people I've met, I guess. You met me in high school, you would have been like this guy, would probably want to live on a deserted island when he gets older, but like really doing like when I first started distribution, like way, way, way back then, I would have such anxiety about going and talking to anyone. And it brought me out of my shell. I got to meet a lot of different people, you know, and, and that's why a lot of people become reps is, you know, you know, you got, there's this one store, it's like a happy hour every Thursday, you get there at two o'clock and people, the reps will just end their day there because they know they're about to drink like five pints. <laughs> but uh, I've never done that, but I may have a few sips, but it's like there, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done, but at the same time, it's, it's, it, it's incredibly rewarding, not as much maybe as making something that people enjoy. But if that's not your inclination, if you're not a brewer or good at brewing or distilling or whatever, what have you, you know, but you're passionate, passionate about the industry, there is a, and you don't want to be in service, you know, you don't want to be on the uh, retail side of things. Uh, there, there's just a lot of opportunities to a see how a bunch of people operate, and then, and then, like I said, just you know, make those relationships. And a, a lot of times, I've found myself being a bridge between different companies. Like, oh, you want to do collaboration? You want to, you know, oh, these people are doing X. You know, their tap room, they need a beer. You know, you know, connect you guys. You know, so. So it's 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 rewarding that way. It's it's hard. It's you know small business woes, um, lots of barriers to entry. The big boys don't make it easy, either by lobbying certain rules in place or abusing rules and making lawmakers create laws that are onerous to smaller people. Um, lots of reports need to be filed. <laughs> um, yeah, if if I had to pick a main reason is 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 just the uh, being being kind of a part of so having your hands in so many different stories and and that 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 sense of of being an integral part and if you do well they you know people people like you you know and everyone wants to be liked right right so um, if if someone was thinking about it that would be kind of you know. And like I said, you don't even have to be necessarily a people person. Um, you can make a lot of money doing it. The plan is to make decent money doing it. I don't plan to make decent money at the get-go unless you have a 
crap ton of money to put into resources in the, in the front end. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's been one of the most frustrating and rewarding things I've done in the last, I don't know what, what years is this, what year is this? I guess we're on, we're on four years now going on four years. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's perfect. Dylan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me. And if people want to get in touch with you and have any interest in expanding into Maryland, uh, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, Just email me directly. Dylan, spelled the Irish way, D-I-L-L-O-N. Do not put a second I in there or I will not respond because it won't get through uh, at crowntapsystems.com. Great. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Ricky. My guest today was Dylan DeSalvo from Crown Tap Systems. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to professionalbrewers.com for more amazing content to help you on your professional brewing journey. And for exclusive content, as well as the opportunity to ask questions of upcoming guests, please consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash professionalbrewerspodcast. Your support makes this show possible. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.